When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Happy New Year. Hope you had an enjoyable and safe holiday season. We are not done yet, though, with 2021. We're still looking back at 2021. We already did an episode looking at some of the best albums of last year, but there is more. We also did lists that break down the year by genre, country and Americana, hip-hop, even metal. So we're going to dig into those lists today. There's some great music, some that you may not have heard at all yet. And to talk about our list of the top 20 hip-hop albums of 2021, we have joining us once again, Jeffy Haza. Hey, Jeff. Hey, what's up? So we have talked about a bunch of these albums before, but we'll either find new things to say about them or just stick to the ones we uh, we haven't said that much <laughs> about. But it is really interesting that you decided to put Playboy Cardi's whole lot of red at number one, and it pissed off a bunch of people because, in part, because were people it, mad? Yeah, I saw a couple of people online being mad. Um, oh man! But that's always I good. Really comments. It's good because <laughs> they're talking about it. I like reading the comments. It came out technically on Christmas Day of 2020, and we even talked about it a year ago. But it stood the test of time, and it really was, in the end, an album that lived in 2021. But what was behind your thinking? More just putting it at number one than including it. They're both kind of related because I feel like. Some, whatever happened in the year 2020 that the entirety of humanity has not yet figured out, uh, time feels different, you know? And I feel like whether what's whatever weird magic that Playboy Cardi sort of found with a whole lot of red, he tapped into the exact feeling and expression of time and like energy in a way that set the groundwork for what I think is this very strange moment we're in that also feels chaotic and exciting. So, you know, with the Cardi record, it's it's timeless, yes, but I also think there's something about it that kind of introduced a new wave that we're still kind of exploring. And I think that that's pretty significant. That's one of the biggest... I think hip hop shifts that we've seen in a really long time. And then, you know, I think just in terms of like, just straight up best rap record, you know, the number two pick with the Makami, Pray for Haiti, you know, this whole year was very much about, I think kind of a return to the self, return to return to home, return to basics. A lot of what was going on in the world could definitely be felt in the music that we were listening to and at least the music that was coming out. So I think with the Makami record, a lot of the Griselda records, in 2021 there were a lot of underground movements in hip-hop that started to gain a lot of traction and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that so many people were at home for so long, Hmm. a lot of roots started to get a lot stronger. And I think you saw that in a lot of records, like the Makami record, Pray for Haiti. But the way that shit coming down, it's like the rain could never run out. Unlimited drops, like sneaking spots, got shoes for days. Y'all niggas is working, shoot, could really use Which came in at number two. If you're talking super technical, which is not something I care about when coming up with a list of albums, (laughs) I would probably say it's the best album that came out in 2021, right? 
And I think throughout it, it's like watching someone just do every part of playing basketball the right way. And at I'm top one, more or less the best. Let's travel through the vortex when Gore-Tex was a flex. Used to rock the 4X, I thought Hex. It's like the power of witnessing sort of someone with experience and trust. I remember in my interview with Earl Sweatshirt, he said something that was so like funny to me about how some rappers have a style that feels like a blanket where they're driving the car and you feel like you know where they're gonna take you. You can fall asleep and trust where it's going. And I think that's super true for a lot of, you know, especially, you know, in the past year, I think for a lot of the rappers who didn't chase, you know, hype and fame, you look at someone like Freddie Gibbs, who's having, you know, a really big moment right now. Then clip with that revolver shit is the same purpose. Eagles beaming up the Scotty in my crack lobby, I can smell the cane burning. Michael Jordan, 1985. He's someone who spent so much time, like, building that foundation, that ground level, in the same way that Makami and the entire kind of Griselda movement, that you see how easy it is for them to execute, you know, and it just feels very comforting to, to listen to music like that, I think, in these times. And for number three, Tower of the Creators, Call Me If You Get Lost, we've talked about it, that a bunch. I mean, the sort of standard take, especially with the DJ drama stuff, is that it's him kind of re-embracing more traditional hip-hop tropes, and there's even some like straight-up boom-bap revival stuff on it. Is that a reductive way to look at the album, or is that kind of how you look at it? I think what made this album so good was that Tyler has been very good at like weighing down all of his good ideas with like this sort of like extra stuff, okay. <laughs> call it maturity, right? Where it's like, as he's gotten older and as he's put out more records, we're starting to see what that refinement looks like. And I think this that's why this album was so exciting is like, you really start to see like, just how much potential someone like this kid has, you know? You should make my earthquake. even in hindsight, but I like that he's able to know himself a little bit more. He knows when to put it on, you know. And number four is Boulder James and Alchemist, Bo Jackson. Stay sending anonymous. Clock got knocked down a big hippopotamus. Quarterback giving them audibles. Huh? This how you should do it. This how you auto flow. Negative. Yo, shit sound horrible. Yeah. So, you know, this is another one coming from the definitely the more left-leaning or like underground cohort. It's definitely the same thing where you have alchemist one of the most prolific hip-hop producers in the genre and then you have boldy james who's kind of an undersung king or undersung heavy hitter and together they just kind of go back and forth with this just like perfect synergy of producer rapper and talking talking again just about kind of the idea of like those those fundamentals where it's like it's been a long time, I think, since rap listeners have just been able to just really wrap themselves in the blanket of like a, a really good producer with the right rapper right next to him going back and forth, beats, rap, back and forth, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just perfect. It, it's it's what you come to the genre for. And I think like, it, it was really cool to see so many, so many rappers of that sort of pedigree really step out in 2021. I think it was a lot quieter from your kind of superstars, right? Like everyone was like waiting for what big splash they could do. Kanye spent a year putting out an album like or talking about it or something. So it was nice to see a lot of these sort of very consistent, very kind of more deliberate musicians kind of take the lead a little bit on, you know, putting out the year's best records. <laughs> and Megan Thee Stallion's Something for the Hotties at number five it's interesting because it's like 
it hit number five. It's not even a real, real album. It's kind of unreleased stuff from the cutting room floor almost. And, and it's still really excellent, which I guess just says a lot about where she's at right now. Yeah, yeah. Eat it, eat it, eat it till I faint. Kick you out. Here's a towel, nigga. Wipe your face. Well, yeah, I think that's, there's, there's something really cool about the artists who like knew when to not be super in the public eye in the past year, I think. And Megan Thee Stallion is someone who was like the most heavily photographed and, you know, every magazine everywhere for a really long time, you know, before the pandemic, at the start of the pandemic. And then in 2021, you know, she, we, she really kind of receded and did her own thing. And even in the, like a brief period of time, you know, in like three months of not hearing anything from her, it was almost as though the idea of a new Megan track was like the most coveted, you know, music to come out or something. And I think that that's what made this so cool was that like, not only was she kind of taking command of kind of her presence in the public space, but she's also like, has like a chamber of like stuff that nobody's heard yet that is also just good enough to like keep her in the top for a while. Right, exactly. And number six, Doja Cat's Planet Her. Now, there has been some back and forth, uh, you know, when she got nominated for uh, BET Awards and other places about whether she is really in the category of hip-hop, whether she's really a rapper. I mean, I don't find that a useful discussion, but (laughs) where do you kind of land on it? Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel the same where it's kind of like, I think she makes good rap music i think she's rapped plenty uh enough to make an album that i would call a rap album and this one's great so (laughs) but i mean just to just to you know speak on doja just kind of in general i think she's someone who you know she's she's like so musically gifted there are songs in here that sound like full-on you know like power ballads and she can still rap and no one had an issue with this when nikki was doing it so it's like to me it's like she's just like a you know updated Nicki Minaj like rapping and doing the Lady Gaga thing at the same time. Well, some people did have an issue with when Nicki was doing it, but yeah. True, true. <laughs> I seem to remember that was, it was pretty controversial. It's it's funny how much she loves this sort of mystique and like online stuff around her, but I think she's like a, such a like truly you know, 21st century futuristic, like, musician. Like, she really had... I think she is, like, dialed in right at the, like, epicenter of, of the future. <laughs> I think that's right. And it's, it makes sense that she's right next to Lil Nas X at number seven. And we've been talking about him in that album all year. But that's another sort of genre-spanning, just, you know, it's really a pop album. But it's also a hip-hop album. It's crazy, because when I made this list, I realized that the covers were, like, kind of similar. It's true, they are, aren't they? They're almost yeah. like they're, yeah. They're, uh, both, they're both in like a glowing video game future or whatever. Yeah, they're both ushering us out of rap's misogynistic past. <laughs> um, which is basically my thoughts on Montero. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, I really love number eight, Babytron's Bin Reaper 2. Just the, the, the opening track, Half-Blood Prince... Yes, it actually is over a sample of the soundtrack to Half Blood Prince, uh, and it, it doesn't end there. Uh, on Sith Lord, 
<laughs> it's got like almost a medley of John uh, Williams music from the Star Wars movies. And it matches the subject matter. Do the dash in the sky, fly it like an X-Wing. Bitch, I'm Mr. Pull up to the bank and make the check ping. Back to back champ, yo team losing like the temp seed. I think he's the best rapper alive right now. Like, if, if someone was like, gun in your head, who's the best rapper working right now? I would be like, Baby Tron. Without, right. like, without even like blinking. Uh huh. It's absurd, like, the what he's able to do with like the, fo- the form of rapping, like, just like as a like practice, like, it's like it's almost as though it's like his mind is like a computer, like remembering a punch, like a punchline, and then just like <laughs> reconfig. Like I don't know. It's like the way he like can so quickly mess with words in rhythm is actually it's like actually something to behold. <laughs> it's a pretty entertaining album too. I mean, like he's <laughs> and he's, he's so funny. Yeah, he's really funny, really good. And I feel like Sith Lord should be a thing. It should be like a TikTok thing. It's not too late. I think I feel like when I interviewed him, we talked about that too, and it's like he's not really big on using TikTok, but God, it's only a matter of time until someone realizes what's going on there, and then just like it, it's all you're gonna hear. <laughs> I, I think it's gonna happen. Maybe we can. Maybe we'll try to give it a boost. <laughs> yeah, we it, nudge that. It seems inevitable because it's just it's so like just in general, it's just, like even like the YouTube of that track only has like fifty thousand views. I mean, it's not a video, but still, it should be. Uh, yeah. It, the, It'll happen. It'll happen. No, number nine is another producer to rapper crossover for a while. Pierre Bourne, the life of Pierre Five, and he's like, as you say, like he's get he's getting much better as a rapper. It feels it feels like he's pretty much arrived there. Yeah, I mean, there are some songs on here that I like love so much that it's like. I, I feel like with Pierre, it's always kind of been the very classic thing of like the producer. Is he like really going to try to rap now? Is it really going to be a thing? And he's been really consistent with like the effort that he's put forward. And I think like with this record, it's you can really tell that like above all else, this person is like wants to make music and is trying to like, you know, express himself with music, you know. And, you know, there's just there, there are like three there are three tracks on there uh, in like a row where it's just like the vibe is just like dialed perfectly. He, he he like does the formula right. Yeah, great album, really fun. And like, I think he had the most fun with an album at any point in 2021. I also think like, I almost look at this album as like the brief moment of optimism that the year had. Like <laughs> thinking back to like, you know, mid summer last year where I was like, maybe things are gonna turn around and be okay. <laughs> Right, it's the official Hot Girl Summer of 2021 album. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the standout track for you? Uh, so the second track, Switching Lanes, comes in out of the intro. Wanna switch lanes for my birthday. I want more than you, babe. Fuck you any day. Make you scream my name. I got that. Which is just like a very, it's like a very good Pierre beat, which is like, we know that, uh, over like a voicemail from his grandma. That's like very, it's like, Rap albums always try to do the like voicemail from Ma or whatever type shit, and like sometimes it doesn't <laughs> land. But this one's like good. It's like him and his grandma have a very nice rapport that like feels good on the beat. I don't know how else to describe it. And then yeah, from switching lanes through to couch, it's just like it, it's like it's almost like COVID never happened. Dial it just came out. It's like we're back to two thousand and like fourteen, fifteen, and like everything is good. And there's, you know, there's a few other ones on there. I mean, For You is the lead single that I think 
to me, like, wasn't really a lead single and I think undersold how good the album is. Biology 101 is, like, one of my favorite weird love songs. Same with Drunk and Nasty. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think The Life of Pure 5 was one of... It's like a sleeper from 2021. Like, I, I feel like... Let's talk about TikTok. Like, kids are probably going to find a few cuts off of this one and kind of run it into the next few months. And number 10, uh, which we've talked about before probably multiple times Drake certified lover boy and after all he, there he is still at number 10 uh, still mm-hmm. made it the top 10 I mean it's a good album it is. And, and especially with Drake it's like he's so famous and he's so big and there's so much going on around him at all times like anyone who counts him out completely is like completely discounting the fact that they are also clouded by the celebrity around Drake Right. Like, give it a few months, and a lot of these songs are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's almost like, yeah, that's interesting. And have does that mean it's it's grown on you even a little bit more since it first came out? I mean, I still think it doesn't have the... As, like, a Drake fan, I feel like I'm probably more uh, accustomed to the ebbs and flows of how you feel about different projects. But this one hasn't fully just... You know, I'm not, like, finding myself listening to it a lot. But I'd say there's... 70% of the record is very good still and I, mm. and I still enjoy it a lot TSU is great She moved out of state and shit then went left She's seeking forgiveness She used to dance but she went alone and Start up a business I, you know, Obviously I'm obsessed with Way Too Sexy and I think more people have come around to Way Too Sexy which is very funny I think Race My Mind is one of the best songs Drake has recorded in a very long time say, say I'm so crazy song alone if i was his creative strategist or whatever i would have been like don't put anything out in 2021 (laughs) except for that song because like that you know on its own that track is very very good um so yeah i think i think it's like it definitely smack in the middle of 2021 was certified lover boy like in terms of best to the 20 best (laughs) so that's the top 10 maybe just pick out a couple from the remaining 10 or, or just out in the world that you, that you think people should know about higher up on the list you've got the little sims album which i think was again one of the year's strongest kind of almost like flashpoint moments of like okay there's more there's like a future out there Niger women got the melanin dripping girl living in the back looking like fire chili sometimes i might be introvert it's really cool that she's going to be on top boy which i guess might come out soon enough so i think it, that album will probably get a lot of like play in the next few months Disco by Mike. It's gone for a tad on the way back, dummy. If you talk bad, I'm getting payback, dummy. Why you trying to hang? You should say. Brooklyn rapper. He's been around for, at this point, a long time, which is very interesting about, I think, just where we are in time right now, in 2022. There are so many very young kids, relatively young, right? 21, 22 years old, who have at this point been making music, performing music, releasing music for close to a decade, you know, and Hmm. we're starting to see like grown man, young people, (laughs) rappers. And I think Mike is definitely one of them where it's like, you know, clearly just like a wise and, you know, very, very deliberate lyricist. And to kind of see that progression, see that growth. Very cool. I think Disco is like definitely one of his loosest records is him and his most like playful. It's very cool. It's a very cool record. Very good cover too. I think the Saw Baby record 
kind of in the same vein with you know someone who has is very young and has like already done very well for themselves kind of independently and on their own better hit somebody i'm on i'm clapping back like i got a tv in my spine them boys go watch my back bitch take that fucking bonnet off i'm trying to but he's got this record now that's completely devoted to a friend of his who passed away it's still him rapping almost like in the same way that we talk about baby tron just like super witty super you know nimble with language but you know in the, in this much darker and more emotionally kind of like digging sort of way a very good album to be sad to <laughs> and also it's just like good good stuff all around last year you know obviously it was a bummer in a lot of ways i think the album sort of reflected that where it's like even the even the, some of the best albums were still somber you know in mood so you know good riddance 2021 these were some highlights <laughs> <laughs> yeah and people should read the whole list because there's a lot of great stuff and J. Cole made it in there, part of your, your gradual warming towards J. You know, Cole. Which I'm gr- I grow tea for all the people that I guess were mad about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm capable of growth. Rolling Stone did a great list of the 25 best country and Americana albums of 2021, and I would advise you to check out that entire list. But to hit at least some highlights, especially the top 10, we have our own Joseph Hudak. Welcome, man. Hey, Brian, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So there is some great music in this list, and especially for people who might not pay a super amount of attention to country and Americana, they might not realize how much stuff they might be missing that they would love. And so let's jump right into that. A great example is number one, Morgan Wade, Reckless. Oh my gosh, what a record. So our number one album this year, Country and Americana list, was Morgan Wade's Reckless. Reckless was produced, co-produced by Sadler Vaden. And if you are a fan of Jason Isbell and the 400 unit, you know Sadler. He is the lead guitarist in the 400 unit. And he brought a really unique sound to Morgan's album. Uh, I kind of described it as a little bit like Don Henley, Boys of Summer kind of vibe, like that that 80s pop polish with some alt-country grit to it. It's just a terrific album. The song Wilder Days is the one that really kind of caught fire. Say you hate the smell of cigarette smoke You only used to smoke when you drank It ended up on a lot of the year's best songs list. And it's just about... Talking to someone who you used to have a lot more fun with when they were a little more a little more misbehaved, I guess, as, as the case would be. A little more <laughs> reckless, as Morgan's title may say. Uh, but the album is doing really well, and so much so, in fact, that she just signed a major label deal with, with Arista earlier this year. They are putting out a record that is a deluxe edition. I believe the, the title, at least, is like even more reckless. And it has six new songs on it, including a new song called Run and a cover of uh, Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. So very excited to hear that. I haven't heard the whole thing yet. And at number two, totally stunning music, Alison Russell, Outside Child. This is an album that people have to hear. It's it's pretty jaw-dropping. It's beautiful. 
it's beautiful and it, it's just all over the mus- musical landscape i mean there's country of course there's art rock i mean john freeman who who wrote about the record just describes it as like jagged art rock it's little hints of jazz and what's so fascinating is that she sings in english and french so if you listen to a song like the closing track joyful motherfuckers she'll sing the chorus in french and the verses in english les grands and it is just beautiful it's it's mesmerizing it is definitely a headphones record i suggest you put it on under your your good noise canceling headphones and just kind of immerse yourself in it it's just a superb record i'm that crawling down thin on the smoke up above the trees good lord fire on the branch i wasn't turned on to this until the list came out Mm-hmm. and just blown away really special and she's really special she's a member of the the duo birds of chicago and this is her uh, debut solo album outside child and number three is a, yes. a very familiar very familiar artist to anyone who's paying even the slightest attention over the years uh, is eric church and eric church he, he has done guns and roses and bruce springsteen one better by releasing three albums as one <laughs> th- that is considered one work under the sort of heart and soul rubric. And yes. it's sort of his, his magnum opus, isn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, when I first when he first started releasing the singles bit by bit, it didn't grab me the way it did when I listened to it as a whole. I don't know why that was. It was just something about, like, I really, I think you have to just think about the way he recorded this album and immerse yourself in it. And the way he recorded it is he challenged his longtime producer, Jay Joyce, and his band and songwriters to all go with him to North Carolina, where he's from. And they took over this uh, restaurant that was closed and turned it into a studio. And they wrote a lot of the songs there and recorded live on the floor. And it's a really fascinating journey. I mean, he runs the gamut from the kind of heartland rock that is very popular and that he's known for, arena rock, but yet he also does meatloaf type rock opera songs. And that is, <laughs> man, that is just, when I heard that, it just blew me away. And 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 talk about a, a, an album to play loud. I mean, there's some, some really terrific stuff on there, like... Uh, uh, Stick That in Your Country Song was the first song you put out from it, which is kind of full of bravado and very Eric Church. But it was songs like um, Lone Wolf uh, and and Break It Kind of Guy. Really, really interesting where he kind of goes into these different falsetto voices and things. They don't know your laws and don't care about your rules. never ceases to amaze. He's always challenging. And man, what a career. It's, it's really funny to watch. He didn't necessarily come off as ambitious in the way that he's turned out to be. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. He just he doesn't want to do the same thing every album. I mean, I can't. It's it's just so great. It's so great to see someone want to challenge themselves like that and challenge his longtime team. You know, could you imagine going to your management and such and be like, "Hey, we're going to put out uh, three records. One is only available to fans on a fan club." Uh, it's crazy. Like, how do you even? You know, we talk about award season and such, but how do you pick which album to submit if you want to do best album? You know, because they're technically three records. But in my opinion, they have to be listened to as a whole. And number four is an, a real veteran, oh, uh, man, James, yeah. James McMurtry, The Horses and the Hounds. Really uh, strong record. 
So good. You know, since we lost John Prine, I think a lot about like who is the greatest living American songwriter right now. And, and James McMurtry always comes top of mind for me. He, he, I just, the, the, the detail, the, the illusions, the references that he puts in songs and, and also the experience and his own age, you know, he, he's staring down 60, as we say, and this great line that a lot of folks have, have cited in the song Canola Fields off this record, he says, cashing in on a 30 year crush, you can't be young and do that. Cashing in on a 30 year crush, you can't be young and do that, you can't be young and do that. And it's like, you know, the guys had a crush on the subject of the song and 30 years, right? And you can't be a 21-year-old artist and even know what that feels like to write that. I love seeing these artists who just mature into something even more powerful than they were in their 20s. And at number five is Carly Pierce's 29. Oh, man. You want to talk about a wreck? Talk about a real record. You know, country music loves to be like, ah, it's all about the songs, the stories, and real life. And and a lot of times, you know, that's bullshit. A lot of times it, it feels to me like it's a caricature of what real life is or what we want this I- ideal to be, idyllic, you know, small towns and whatnot. But Carly Pierce, man, she weathered the storm. She had a divorce, wrote about it uh, very openly on this album, and just put out some just some terrific songs. I love the song Next Girl off of this, which is kind of like shades of Patty Loveless. Is there's some some bluegrass flavor in there and some 90s sound, very Appalachian. Really great stuff. You can't talk about country music in in 2021 without mentioning Carly Pierce. She is she is here for the long haul, and it's it's great to see. Yeah, she's sort of gunning for a spot right in the center of of the mainstream in the best sense. Yeah, she, it's a good way to put it. Right? Yeah, she's she's doing things that are getting played on radio and that have uh, mass appeal, but again, personal. You know, I mean, it's very hard. You know this, Brian. It's very hard to get someone to open up and talk about things in their personal life. And here you have Carly Pierce, you know, not shying away from it at all and putting it on an album. You know, a a divorce. I I think that the marriage lasted a year or less. And it's amazing that that she just goes for it. You know, everybody's asking what the hell happened, wondering why it all went wrong. Tell me about Joshua Ray Walker, who made the number six album on the list. See you next time. I am such a big fan of this guy. Joshua Ray Walker is, he's from the Dallas area in Texas. This is his third album in kind of like a series about the the denizens of a local honky-tonk. This one is titled See You Next Time, and he just gets better and better with each record. He has this very emotional voice, falsetto that... A lot of folks heard in uh, his song Canyon, but on this album, what he really kind of like introduced it with a whole new sound, and that was with the song Sexy After Dark. And you know, Joshua Ray Walker is a big guy, he's not what you picture when you think of like someone out there touring hard and being on the circuit and you know, commanding a stage. But my god, when you see him play live, you just almost have tears in your eyes Um, after dark which is really kind of flipped it upside down because it's these big horns i feel sexy after dark my conscience finds it hard to see
and this really cool like sultry kind of vibe to it it is not uh similar to what he did on his first album but it is so great and then he also dives into some very other personal things a song called flash paper that's about his father who died a song titled fossil fuel where he alludes to the the climate crisis really good stuff and he's uh about to make his and number seven is some very familiar names uh, miranda lambert with john randall and jack ingram the Marfa Tapes. Yeah, the Marfa which Tapes. Which is made outdoors. Made outdoors. I mean, that that's the thing about Miranda. You know, she she did the double album, The Weight of These Wings. She did Platinum. She did albums that were very uh, geared towards radio and some that weren't. Um, and then she does the Marfa Tapes where it's her and two uh, fellow Texas songwriters who are both very successful and and they just kind of bonded over the love of their home state and decided to record this album in Marfa out in West Texas and they did it outside and so there's you know there, there there's some false starts there's some laughing there's some some ambient noise and some hear some cows mooing in the pasture it's really great i think i said when i wrote this blurb that it's like you know we're all being in, encouraged to spend time outdoors because of the pandemic and and I, I said lambert and and john and 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 jack ingram they gave us the the perfect campfire record you know you're never gonna be the backstage babe at the crystal palace you're too late babe when you got cows on your record, no one can question the authenticity of your... You cannot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great record. A really, really cool stripped-down sound. Everyone loves to say, you know, the stripped-down sound and whatnot, but, man, you can't get any more so than that. It's just there are three voices and, and a lot of the songs, and it's beautiful. Now, at number eight, you have one of the most sort of self-directed artists in any genre, you clearly cannot tell Sturgill Simpson what to do. Uh, this album is called <laughs> The Ballad of Dude and Juanita. And it is, you know, I, I think a lot of fans, maybe including me, kind of want him to do another sort of cosmic country thing mm-hmm. like he did on his breakthrough, Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music, which is, you know, just one of the greatest albums of the century. I, I think everyone can agree on yeah. that. And instead, he's done a lot of different stuff that's very much not that. And on this one, he does a Civil War themed concept record that's super bluegrassy and he is committed and it's a really cool record very committed yeah you know he he got inspired or you know i I, marissa moss did a wonderful profile of sturgill for for rolling stone for us and you know that during the pandemic he went and gathered his uh bluegrass avengers i believe he calls them and they all they re-recorded his songs in a a bluegrass style you know songs off of metter modern and and some covers and things and it was just really kind of revitalized sturgill i think and got him back in the game and and wanting to you know go back to his roots of bluegrass because he was had a band that did a lot of bluegrass type stuff up in kentucky you know sunday valley and for the Ballad of Dude and Juanita, he took elements of, of that bluegrass and kind of married it to this concept album set in like the Civil War era. It opens with, uh, you know, soldiers singing and some some boots marching. It's very much, uh, again, an immersive record, but it's a short album. It's 30 some minutes, you know, for a concept record. That's that's pretty brief. Although I guess Redheaded Stranger wasn't wasn't that long either. You know, Willie hmm. Nelson's classic. And Willie shows up on this. He plays guitar on uh, the song Juanita, which kind of has those old Mexico vibes, you know. Juanita, when I 
found you, I was at my end. There's also some bluegrass, like we said, Go In Peace, really, really moves quickly. A lot of banjo and those high lonesome vocals. When he woke up, he saw the face of the man of Cherokee. Yeah, if you're a Sturgill fan, you, you, you kind of got to love it. I mean, the guy does what he wants to do every album. I mean, Sound and Fury, the the other concept record, which was very much like a, a, a grungy rock album, scuzzy rock. Man, that grew on me. When I first heard it, I was like, yeah, I dig it. But the more I go back to it, the more I really like it. You know, there's just something about a guy doing his own thing that is kind of hard to hard to uh, object to, you know? At number nine, gorgeous album, Valerie June's mm-hmm. The Moon and Stars, Prescription for Dreamers. Yeah, beautiful title, too. It's just so evocative. Jonathan Bernstein wrote about this record. He's a big fan and kind of compared her to like Van Morrison, like because she's just, there's a spiritualism to it that is kind of like reminiscent of, of Van's album, Into the Music. But in any case, a really interesting record, you know, banjo on here, strings, but also you hear some pop drum loops and she's got some really engaging songs. I listened to Fallen earlier this morning when I was getting online and and that song just like stays with me. It's so beautiful. Fallen out of love with love All the things you dream and then why the why the bright stars glow as as we say in our blurb look at how far we've come she sings dancing in the sun and again there's just those few little small line like that but it just puts you right in that space of inspiration and being like we've come through something you know here we are back in the light which you know not to get too melodramatic but after these two years of of darkness and such it it's something that we all aspire to it's not you And we're at number 10. Yeah, Lainey oh. Wilson, saying what I'm thinking. What a record. This is really, really a great record. She she is is going to be a big deal. Things a Man Ought to Know really kind of put this on the map. That was her song in which she talks about a whole bunch of different things that dudes, you know, dudes do changing tires and shooting mm-hmm. guns and stuff. But, you know, there's a there's a little twist there, and, and I'll let you listen to it. And yeah, I know a boy who gave up. just a terrific song and, and very very gentle you know eases you into the the lyrics i just want to focus on the lyrics but then you go into other stuff on the album like wwdd which stands for what would dolly do <laughs> and it is just like full-on hard charging guitar and you know some rowdiness to it, it it's it's just a hell of a record i, I really really like laney's album and that takes us through the top 10. Yeah, and again, I would encourage everyone to check out the whole list of the yeah. top 25 country and Americana albums of check 2021. Check out the whole list. Yeah, it's such a great list. Check out the list. There's a lot of things to, to discover and you know, for all of us, myself included. And Rolling Stone also did a list of the top 10 metal albums of 2021. And to talk about that, we have our own Corey Grow. Hey, Corey. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing? Pretty good. And let's start with number 10, Panopticon and again Into the Light. It has these sort of Celtic sounds. We described it as Appalachian folk music and then crushing guitars, black metal guitars. 
it's quite odd, actually, to my ears. <laughs> That's one of the things that we liked about it. You know, the, the list was put together by myself and senior editor Hank Steamer and one of our longtime contributors, Dan Epstein. And Dan is the one that brought this one that was really just like, you guys got to consider this one because I, I think I might have missed it during the year. And then when I sat down with it, and it kind of blew my mind too. It's, it's all kind of done by one person. His name is Austin Lunn, and he's from Louisville. And yeah, it's just this weird kind of, it, it's really like a portrait. It's like a self-portrait in a way where, you know, you have his slightly, you know, sort of Southern roots and the folk music meeting with this, his love of black metal. I was impressed with number nine, uh, which is King Woman's Celestial Blues. She seems like a really interesting artist. It's vaguely PJ Harvey-esque. It, it seems like something that people who aren't interested in metal should think about checking out. It's a pretty interesting album. That's one of the things that we try to do with this list, too, is just incorporate anything that's sort of extreme or heavy that, you know, it's, it's not what you would think of as metal. It doesn't sound like Metallica. It doesn't sound like Judas Priest or something like that. It really is this sort of, it's kind of like dark art metal, dark art rock, hard rock. But, you know, it's got elements of heavy doom in it and sort of, like, I think we described it as shadowy goth cabaret in one of the songs. And But it, it's really a claustrophobic thing. It's really one of these things that you just got to hear for yourself to, to kind of get it. Yeah, it's, it feels like a genuine artistic achievement and very cool. Number eight is Skepticism's Companion. Uh, and th this is some intense shit, man. <laughs> this, 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 is like, this is this has got the the Cookie Monster vocals, and for some people, that's kind of a deal breaker. Well, you know, going part and part with Cookie Monster vocals, let's describe that more as demonic vocals because Skepticism are one of the first bands that you could call funeral doom music. They're from Finland. Funeral doom is a sub-subgenre of doom metal, you know, doom metal going back to like Black Sabbath. But it's really like the sound, like I think I described it as the sound of dying. Like you're, you're like, it's really just like it's, you know, you got the, the church organ, you got the, the kind of Bach type uh, fugues in the background, but then you also just have these heavy, heavy, guitars um and uh i, I you know I, I i use a little quip in my blurb saying just dying never sounded so good and it's true <laughs> i just love this album i mean listen sometimes at least personally you do want something really extreme and really heavy and it's sort of it uh some it, it, you listen to headphones and it feels like it's both clearing your sinuses and perhaps your soul and i think that that's the, one of the this is one of those albums it's a mood <laughs> Also extremely heavy was our number seven album, this album Avow by the band Portal. Dan in his write-up uh, said, it sounds like it was recorded in one of the most grim and repellent pits of hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds good to me. Uh, I guess that happens to be Australia. They're a long-running sort of, sort of experimental metal outfit. It's almost formless in a way, some of the songs on here, where they are just like, uh, it's just noise, but there is some sort of order to it. It's just like this incredible experience. Like it is a journey through hell, and that is a good way. And like going kind of going back to what I was saying at the beginning, it, it it's, goes into that idea of catharsis. Like it, it brings you through something. They usher you through an emotion into another place. Pretty huge sounding album at number six, Tribulation, where the gloom becomes sound. Yeah. 
so this is a Swedish band, um, and they sort of have – I would call them sort of straight-ahead heavy metal. I know that Dan described them as death prog psych metal wizards, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, but you hear, you know, elements of doom metal and death metal and, you know, sort of some of the more extreme things, but it's a little bit more temperate, especially coming after uh, Portal and, <laughs> and Skepticism on our list here. Uh, but, there's the, you know, like a song like Hour of the Wolf is kind of gloomy, but it's got kind of a goth rocky vibe to it at the same time. And, you know, there's great female vocals in the background. It's sort of a nice uh, palate cleanser, especially after the heavier stuff that we were just talking about. <laughs> And at number five is Converge's Blood Moon 1, which I kind of was hoping was actually Blood Moon colon I, which would honestly be the most metal title of all, of all time. But they went with Blood Moon 1, and that's cool. So Converge is this great long-running extreme metal, extreme hardcore band. You know, they kind of came more from the punk scene. And this album is not... It has elements of that, but uh, they teamed up with Chelsea Wolf on this one, uh, who sort of brings a, kind of a gothic flavor to the the album. It, it kind of it's similar in some ways to the King Woman record, but it goes a little bit heavier in like like a more traditionally heavy direction. It's also kind of cool because this album brings back Caven's Stephen Brodsky, who played on the earliest Converge albums. Uh, a couple of the earliest ones, but it's an album that I think a lot of fans have been waiting for because I know they've talked about it for a long time, and it just totally delivered on the everybody, all the different contributors' aesthetics really made it something new for all of them. Let's talk about number four, Torn Arteries by Carcass. Yeah, Carcass are great. Like they, they were definitely one of my favorite bands in high school, and it's great to hear a band that you loved in 1994 come out with an album in 2021 that's... Uh, as good as what you remember when you were just getting into this stuff, you know? So, you know, they were one of the pioneering grindcore bands, and then they sort of evolved into this sort of uh, death, this melodic death metal sound, which is what you hear on Torn Arteries. And the, the, the thing that I want to really highlight about Carcass here is that they balance virtuosity, like their, their main guitarist, uh, Bill Steer, he's just this incredible lead player, but they're also funny. And that's a hard thing to do in metal. It's a hard thing to pull off, especially in extreme metal, because the singer Jeff Walker just comes up with these sort of ridiculous like, quips and things like that. Like you know, like they they they, they don't they don't pro they don't have a problem with calling a song Eleanor Rigor Mortis. And I just want to shout out Hank's article on this band because Hank did a really good job of just capturing <laughs> both, the, like I said, the, the technical side of it and the humor. He did a great feature that, that I think that if you like the album, you should read. Absolutely. And then check out the 10-minute flesh-ripping Sonic Torment Limited. Number three, Gojira's Fortitude. Yeah. Gojira have just evolved into this, this really smart... Uh, compositional band in a way there's so much depth of sound on this album that i love like i this is one of the ones that i probably listened to the most over the last year just because you know you hear something different every time you play it you know in a lot of metal they want to strip things down to the bare essentials and just make it the riff the crude elements of rock music let's say with gojira there's so much ear candy on there it could be a pop record but it never sounds cheesy the way that pop music sounds sometimes especially when when metal bands try to go pop is what i mean there's like this uh 
like I said, this this sort of texture where you hear harmonics and little dings and things like that in there. Like like the song Born for One Thing opens with these kind of weird guitar sounds and they, they just bury these things in there and it's it's nice to hear a record that's so complex. Number two is Mastodon, who've really been flying the flag for sort of a mainstream metal thing as much as the culture may not allow for that in some ways they've been very much kind of at the core of of kind of in another era that they would have been a huge mainstream rock band as it is they're quite popular and really talented guys and the album's uh, it's mastodon's hushed and grim at number two yeah it's i would i would like to point out that this album is 90 minutes and it just traverses kind of the whole Mastodon experience of everything since, like, maybe Crack the Sky or something like that. It's, it's, it's the apotheosis of Mastodon. It's right. everything and, you could and want. Crack the Sky being when they kind of started incorporating elements of Prague and other stuff into their sound. Mm-hmm. Like 70s rock and, and that kind of the thing, yeah. Like like Pushing the Tides is probably a good song on there for as far as, like, uh, showing the whole Mastodon experience in one song. <laughs> Speaking of longevity, here is Iron Maiden's Senjutsu. Senjutsu? Senjutsu. Here is Uh, Iron Maiden's Senjutsu. Yeah. So I think that probably it surprised a lot of people that an Iron Maiden album in 2021 could top a list of of the, the best metal albums of the year. But I think that, you know, that should give them more reason to want to listen to an album like this. Iron Maiden, one of the forefathers of what we consider to be like modern or whatever, like classic heavy metal sound. Um, on this album, they took what they do and they took it to a whole other level. Like they are progressive in the the truest sense of the, the, the term where they have progressed their sound and progressed what they do into these sort of long epic songs. They really make you go through an emotional catharsis with the whole thing. My favorite song on here is the last song, which is Hell on Earth, and it's 11 minutes long, and it starts off slow, and it gets heavy, and then you have Bruce Dickinson screaming about how he's in anger, and it's a little operetta on its own. And that is our show for today. Rolling Stone Music Now will be back on Sirius XM's volume, channel 106. And, of course, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts if you possibly can, or at least give us five stars. That is incredibly appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening. See you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.